Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Johnny Gregson. He's a former wheelchair basketball player, now turned into disability bodybuilder. So welcome onto the show, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So can you talk through how you kind of got into wheelchair basketball first of all, and then we'll look to go into why the shift over to bodybuilding? Well, wheelchair basketball, I played a lot of, I went to a lot of disability sports sessions in Newcastle at children. I was playing a sport called Boccia. I was doing a lot of multi-sports clubs and if I wanted to go along that week and at the time I'd played a bit of able-bodied basketball at school so I already I could dribble etc it was just sort of so and for for the the guys that aren't watching on YouTube can you give a description of what your disability entails well my Disability is all down my left side, so it's cerebral palsy, left-sided hemiplegia. So basically, I'm just to my left leg and my left arm are getting intercepted mm. on the way down through my nervous system. Um, so therefore, for instance, my left wrist used to I can't bend my wrist, I can't rotate my wrist, and my left leg is about is about one inch shorter. It's about one inch shorter than my right leg. So this can affect me quite a bit as I obviously walk with a limp and I do struggle to do a lot of things with my left arm. I do rely on using my right arm for most things. So from uh, probably a strength element, you're a lot stronger on that right side, I would presume. Yeah, I am, yeah. And from a sporting sense, was it quite difficult sometimes with the wheelchair basketball to keep yourself in a straight, straight line? I didn't find that as such. It was just more the pace. It was because they say to go... See, I haven't played for a year now, but I think they say... Is it from 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock? No. 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock on the wheel? I'm trying to think what the... um, How is it how to push? Um, So I could get the full range of motion, basically, yeah, with my right arm. But my left arm, I couldn't get that full range of motion. So that meant that I couldn't build up pace as quickly. I did get quicker 
because I, I played for nine, for nine years. I did get a lot quicker, but still, sometimes, it, especially against higher point players, like three points to five points, I did struggle to get past or pick or things like that. Well, that's a that's a mental well, not 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 so much a mental thing, but that would be down to the classification system anyway, and the because of their higher points, they would have an advantage yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean compared to other one pointers who played in the game, uh, my pace did let me down a bit. Well, that would that would for the ones well probably because I play the sport as well. It's I've got a greater understanding of how the classification can vary, yeah. even within that point system. Well, yeah. so when you say you're slower than a, another one point player, their impairment could be totally different entirely. Yeah, it was that I was just trying to sort of explain how that did affect sort of my game. But in terms of, from a mental perspective, what kind of position did that put you in then? Because I, I've sort of grew up wanting to succeed in what I do and not just be that extra number in basketball, be that extra number on court, which one could subject subject subjectively argue that a lot of especially in the lower divisions is it, it, there is one point as who are, who do get on court not through as such as merit but just because of their points so like I've played in some games where you just sort of feel like you're pushing up and down the court little involvement pick for your forward but then You've got to have that understanding with your for with your forward, otherwise you're just sort of getting in their way. I can I, I, I can I can see where you're coming from in terms of that. Um, not really. It's not really a commodity. I think high the higher you go up the divisions, I think you, the the lower point is a gold dust though. So you you kind of more in demand yeah. as you go up. So I can I yeah. can see where you're coming from in the lo- lower divisions. Well, yeah, because like when I played over in Carlisle, I did play a few games in Division One back about three four years ago when I went in Division One, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I did love the experience of playing higher level basketball, but it was sort of like I felt like I was in the team, not through merit but more through that they didn't really have any other one pointers or I was in the rotation just to get that extra points on as a forward or to get that 4.5 on to get that 5 point player on Well I, you, can, you can't just single out Carlisle as a team I think well, No I think no I, I'm not just singling out Carlisle I'm, I'm saying that I think every t- I think probably every team probably does it, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. But talk to me now through what was the kind of mental shift to wanting to leave basketball behind 
and kind of push yourself on this new experience and kind of get into bodybuilding? Well, what happened was I had personal training sessions about 18 months ago now. At this point, I hadn't been... I'd been playing basketball for nine years, but for two years before that, from the shift over to Carlisle to back to Newcastle, uh, I hadn't been enjoying it as much. I had nothing to do with the teams I was at or anything. It was more just my mindset, my that I just... I, I put a lot of pressure on myself, and if I don't feel like I'm hitting my standards that I set I tend to not enjoy training as much I tend to not enjoy games as much and it was getting to the point where I just I was in the second season at Newcastle due to having stronger players I was rightly so on the bench Um, I wasn't getting much game time but in the past that used to bother me whereas I'd I didn't feel I wasn't eager to get on the court. I was I wasn't that bothered, which sort of hit home for me whether I was enjoying playing the sport as much. So, what was kind of the kind of the, how would I put it? The kind of the last nail in the coffin, as as in, or oh, let me try something different. Then, it, well, I mean, it was coming up towards the end of the season. I'd missed a couple of games um, and I just, I was always going, I'd made up with my mind, I hadn't taught anyone, but I was always going to quit at the end of that season. So I think we had one or two more games and it was looking likely that would make the playoffs. But I thought to travel all the way down, I can't remember where it was, I think it was at Worcester University last year, to travel all the way down there, more than likely not play. Not that I was, but and I wasn't e e e get to play. I just thought that it would be easier if I just stopped playing there and then. And I had a lot of things going on in my personal life as well back then because I was in the middle of completing a mortgage and moving house and things like that. So that it just all sort of added up and made sense to stop playing then. It's kind of like a snowball effect to, to yeah. some, some degree. And I did I did question whether I'd six months down the line regret it. I mean, I've still got a lot of people who play basketball on social media, so I still see the weekend game day posts, pictures, videos, and I, it, I, I haven't touched a basketball since. I haven't even... At home, I've still got a basketball, but I haven't picked it up, and it just doesn't really bother me. I did question it a couple of times, probably last October, November, while I, I wasn't, I wasn't at the gym or I wasn't doing anything. I did question just doing it for fun, and I, I did question just going to train for fun once or twice a week. But it's not for me anymore. I, I've played for nine years, and I've grew out of the sport I don't love it as much as I loved it in them first few years why do you think that it possibly is though well like I said before I think that is because that I am ambitious and I 
when when I do something, I do want to be up there. Not such as the best, but I, I, I do want to... Like, when I was younger, it was like getting to Great Britain or whatever. Um, I didn't think I had a chance, but there was always that question, well, what if, what if? And that what if was getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I didn't think that. Not as such getting into Great Britain, but I just didn't think that I was going to get any further further forward. And then I've seen that recently you've now done, well, it's a a show, as, as, as you would say in the bodybuilding world. Yeah. What is kind of your aspirations with that now, kind of going forward? Well, regarding the show I've just done, um, the training-wise, the prep-wise, didn't go the way it should have gone. I was... When I first decided I was going to compete, I was 14 weeks away from competing in July. So most bodybuilders take about 12 to 20 weeks, depending on where they're at before show. Um, so the quote that I had, it was suggested that I did a quick bulk at the time I did question whether I'd have enough time to sort of cut lose body fat and get in good condition for for July but I went along with it so it was May but I was about 10 weeks out and I I had a message off my own who does bodybuilding as well so that there was a local show it was possibly at that point only going to be me in my class competing so it would just be an experience I wouldn't be up against a lot of people I'd get a trophy I'd get a medal so I I, I was I was a bit unsure I was a bit unsure at first because I knew I wouldn't be in the best condition but I decided to go in to go in for it so that was in two weeks' time. So in them two weeks, I went from being on a bulk, doing no car, no cardio, just weight training, to then being on a keto diet, training and doing forty-five minutes to one hour a day of fast of fasted cardio. So my food intake went from. 3,000 calories a day to 1,500. I did lose 12 pounds within that eight, eight or nine days. Um, however, a lot of it would have been mass and I still wasn't in good enough condition. So I qualified for the finals, which is actually this weekend coming. So I had the finals planned, and then in July I had the regional one that I was going to compete in, which was the it's called the Pure Elite, which was in Manchester. However, a couple of people pointed out that I maybe should wait and take a good three, four months to get in that good condition of low body fat, etc. So that's what I've changed my mind to do. Um, so I'm, I haven't decided 100%, but I'm looking at competing. There's a show on the 17th of September, so that's 14 weeks away now. 
So I'm already two weeks into back training hard and eating well again. And what kind of mindset did it kind of put you in to go from obviously the bulking phase to then have to go to the keto? Because obviously for uh, I've done a keto diet and and it kind of messes with you psychologically anyway. Did you have more more side effects as a result from going from one extreme well, to the other? I've done a keto diet before for two two weeks twice. Um, in terms of the side effects, I I don't know because it was my first bulk that I'd ever really done because I I was always average weight trying to cut down and get lean, so I, I've never really done as you say, a bulk before. Um, I think what the main thing I found was is that working full-time, being on a low-carb diet, being on a low-carb diet, training three or four hours a day on top of food prep, on top of every other day-to-day activity. I mean, the week before the show, I was I was getting about five hours sleep a night doing pause and practice etc it was every spare minute was just getting re- getting prepared for this show so it was mentally fatiguing I mean the week after I just I sort of burnt out and I felt flat and it did make me feel mentally tired because I'd be up for half five every day to do 45 minutes of walking then I go to work. Then I go to the gym. It would it would just be a constant cycle. What would your advice be for somebody in a similar situation in the future? In terms of a prep coach, I'd say do your research well. I mean, I'd say look for a good set of portfolios of before and after pictures. Um, I mean, at the time, I didn't know a lot of prep coaches, so I didn't have much choice. Whereas now, just after that, I changed gyms and through bodybuilding, you sort of get to know more people. So there's a sort of wider range of choice out there and just do your research well and be realistic. So don't, if you're, if you've, never been in a gym much before don't sort of think well in six weeks time i want to go and compete you're looking at between 20 and 26 weeks it might sound a long time but that's how long it takes to get in good enough condition to get on stage well i think i think it's you could probably go to a wider and broader sense i think the wider community does want that quick fix so it's kind of that uh, mentality of i want it now so it's kind of having that shift really you can in terms of weight you can get that quick fix but you will lose a lot of mass and the whole point of even because you've got bodybuilding and you've got physique which is less about muscle more about condition even doing physique you're still going to if you haven't got much mass if you haven't got a great deal of mass you still 
you're going to look lean, but you just it's just not going to look the right look to be on stage and you're going to stand out from the rest on stage. Um well I wasn't I wasn't questioning that because obviously when we look you look at weight loss, probably most people don't understand that difference between uh what is fat loss and what is weight loss. Obviously weight yeah. loss you're gonna lose that muscle mass as well, which well if you're looking to put mass on, we'll say, if we single out the males, and most of the time that's going to be the case, yeah. that's definitely something you don't want to do because you don't you don't want to lose that mass that you've built up. Obviously, you want to look at that 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 fat loss more so, and it's probably more educating people to kind of know what is the difference. Yeah, I mean, for me. Weight loss is good, but fat loss is the most important thing, really. Um, like some people can can um, start off on X weight, cut. Sorry, they can start off on X weight, reasonably low weight, do a bulk, and then cut again and weigh more but still have less body fat than the first weight. But does that not come down to experience? Yeah, it does. But a lot of people are, even myself, if I get weighed and I weigh myself on a daily basis, taking my average weight each day. So, weight does fluctuate i do make sure i get weighed at the same time each day before i eat before i take in any fluids but my weight still can fluctuate for instance from yesterday to today i think i put three pounds on but my diet was on point everything was the same i trained yesterday so it's not all about what the scales say what you what could you contribute that difference in being? Would you say it was water then? Yeah, I'd say that fluctuation was water. I did drink a bit more fluid yes yesterday, so today I've drank less. So I've still hit my I think my on my diet plan on a rest day to these two and a half liters. Then obviously on a training day to that plus the amount that I lose um, so I have hit a good enough amount but not as much as yesterday so we'll see if that makes a difference when I step on the scales in the morning and in terms of you actually uh, calculating your what would I say your water not retention uh, loss after exercise do you look at um it wouldn't be your um, looking at your. I can't remember how you, you calculate it, but you would look at doing how much sweat you've lost. Well, no, you, you do it. You, would you go about looking what you weigh before the session, and then weigh yourself afterwards, so you can calculate the water loss? Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. 
and then also do you do you incorporate any like sports drinks to replenish your electrolytes or is it just purely water just purely water because i mean i know they're all low carb but I, I, yeah so i have my macros that i have to hit each day carbs protein fat etc and i know you can get low carb say lucas here light etc but to fit in with my macros and my calories i tend to go for drinks that don't have any calorific value see quite limited well the only thing, the only liquid i can think of is only it would be water and that'd be about yeah, it like, yeah and in terms of kind of you were saying your next competition is now in september is there if we kind of go more specifically into disability bodybuilding, is there multiple categories within it? There isn't, which is sort of a downside to that because at the moment, I mean, there's a there's a company, a Facebook group chat with, with I'm guessing, 90% of the people who do bodybuilding in the UK. And off the top of my head, there's only 15 to 20 in that max. So, I mean, at a national final, say, for instance, this weekend, I think you've got about 10. So when you consider that compared to wheelchair basketball, where I don't know the exact figures, but you've got thousands, I'm guessing, at least a thousand competing in the UK. I would have, I would have thought so. It might even be more than that. It does give you that scope to split classifications up even more. But then it probably would come down to is the demand is the demand there for splitting it up? Not yet, but it is getting bigger. Like when, like just through word of mouth. For for instance, twelve months ago, I didn't even know it existed. So then, as I was getting more and more in the gym, I thought, well, I'll just have a look and. Because through playing wheelchair basketball, I kind of knew that there was a lot of sports that even then I hadn't heard of. There was a lot of new sports coming up. So I thought, just give it a look on Google, type it in, and stuff came up. And then, at the time, it was always just in the future. But then that was back in March when I just decided to just go for it. And then then I've... Because I've seen the likes of, um, oh, what's his name? Mark Smith, who did used to do um, uh, bodybuilding. He was an amputee. He's kind of now gone over to power, uh, not powerlifting, strong, disability strong. Yeah. Would you ever consider possibly doing something like that? And maybe, I don't know, not maybe say strongman, but maybe like powerlifting or something like that. I have thought about it, but... Physique-wise, I'd like to keep that lean physique. Um, I would consider incorporating the powerlifting training into my off-season, especially my first off-season, to get a good set of bulk, get a good set of gain, sorry. 
Um, I mean, I personally, there's someone who trains in my old gym that I was in last year who I follow on Facebook and Instagram. He does the five by five training in his off season where he trains three times a week, which his sessions are pretty high in vo- in volume, about two, two and a half hours. But training three times a week, it also gives me more time to do what I want during off-season because during prep, you're training five, six times a week, sometimes twice a day on very little food. It affects your social life. You can't... If someone asks you if you want to go to Frankie and Benny's or Pizza Hut, you have to say, no, I'm weighing all, all, all of my food. It's just... It can get pretty tough. So training three times a week... It does give me scope for more to enjoy life while still tra- tra- training hard. And I do enjoy lifting heavy. There's nothing better than when you get that max weight of four or five reps out. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy the pump as well of hitting 10 to 15 reps. But for me, it's all about getting that high weight. Ah. Oh. It's kind of, it's probably the pros and cons of doing both types of training, yeah. obviously. With, with, your, with yours concerning, it's you're trying to get the muscle as big as possible and probably as sculpted as possible, whereas maybe for the normal individual, um, well, I won't go as far as they're not, they're not looking to get that aesthetic look because I, I, I would be lying if that was not the case. Uh, because um, there's kind of that mental and probably a little bit the mindset that uh, people are very much concerned in in some cases what others think. I think probably that that's probably not the case with you because growing up with a disability, you kind of get used to. Uh, people looking at you kind of whispering oh what's 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 got what's yeah, what's yeah. particularly wrong with him and i think as you get older you kind of get to the point that you just don't give a crap it's like oh that's your opinion oh well it's only affecting I, you i mean for me going going back to what i was talking about before about the um off season training that's out my main aim over the next year is to i'm never going to get my left side equal to my right side but to get it as close as possible so in my current training plan at the moment there's a lot of single arm movements so um bicep curls with dumbbells for instance tonight i posted a video of dumbbell row where i used to do a lot of barbell work but my right side will then compensate probably 70 percent of the lift compared to my left side. For instance, I noticed uh, within the last week since doing single leg press, on the normal leg press with both legs, I used to get, I think used to hit 12 or 15 reps for 50 kilograms plus the machine. Whereas recently, I've been doing five kilograms plus machine on my left leg and that's really pushing it to the max 
getting within my rep range of 8 to 10, that's pushing it to the max effort, really, which is a hell of a lot of a difference because I'm think because in my head, I was thinking that well, I've done 50 with both legs, so I should theoretically be able to do 25 at least with my left leg and 25 with, with my right. But it, it, I have learned that it's a lot different in terms of effort and difficulty using one of them instead of two limbs. So you've kind of got the sense of, and it's brought it home, that you could kind of say, and you can now see, that, well, everybody has a discrepancy to some extent. Yeah, the, no, the, the actual magnitude as how big, how the, the difference of actual, uh, well, strength and power as actually is, is well, for me, it'd be even, probably even greater than that with having a, a, a prosthetic limb and not having full control of the knee joint. So mine would probably be, I'd probably go higher higher than that. You said yours was about 45 kilo difference. I probably, mine probably even, maybe even greater than that. So it'd be percentage wise, oh, I wouldn't even want to try and guess. It's, it's probably even greater. And it's probably, I think is a good one to look at, especially within the disability community. It's looking at, where can, well, that's where you're going to get more gains is working on that that predominantly weak side. What I've also noticed is that weak side, the range of motion isn't as much. For instance, in a leg extension or a leg curl, I can't seem to be able to get my leg like on a standard leg curl, which I posted you yesterday. I can't get my leg sort of right bent up against the top of my bum whereas with my right leg I can get a full full range of motion I I am hoping that the range of motion will increase over time so I'm not aiming to go too heavy and just trying to keep getting that leg further up every but would that range of motion Johnny not come back down to having the uh, elasticity in the muscle due to the cerebral palsy, wouldn't that be a little bit of a factor as, as to why the range of motion yeah, is great? Would, yeah, I'm just trying to build on that and get as far as possible as I can with that range of motion. For instance, with my biceps, I've always struggled. At one point, I all, all, all needs to do a bicep curl on my right arm. No normal form. You see my left arm. So my right arm was getting. I I, I was killing sixteen kilograms with ease on the right side. But then what I did was I dropped the weight and started doing hammer curls with my left arm and my right arm. So I'm always going now to the max rep of my left side. So on. One of the videos that I'll be posting later on the lap pull down, which I do my my left side first, then my right side. I got eight reps on my left side, so then on my right side I got up to eight, but I felt like I'd do five or six more. But then that just wouldn't help the proportions. Yes, I wasn't getting as much of a burn as much of a pump on my right hand side but the whole 
the main aim is to build my left side up to my right, which that would just go against that aim. Well, it's coming back to the the simple principle of what you're trying to attain, isn't it? It's because that it's what bodybuilding is looking to attain is that asymmetry. Yeah, which I sometimes have to just remember that because that because when you only go to say eight reps, like I've explained in that case before, you feel like you haven't worked hard enough because your right side isn't, but it's being rigid in your mind frame that you have to concentrate on that weak side first and hopefully one day both sides will be getting as much work as each other but then if we come back to that kind of underlying issue that we raised earlier on in in the in the show and when we talked about obviously expanding on the discipline obviously once it becomes we'll say hypothetically, in the future, more categories and being very specific to the impairment, you may not have to, I won't say, you'd probably be good, best to keep along the lines what, which is traditional bodybuilding being asymmetry, but maybe they would look at how the impairment yeah. impa- impacts on the actual overall. Because, I, I mean, at the moment, I know of four, possibly five bodybuilders in the UK with cerebral palsy, one of it at least with hemiplegia. And I think looking at bodybuilding in terms of cerebral palsy, the one thing that's lacked, including myself, sort of is mass, Um, which... I am hoping to try and sort of bring to the stage within within the next year year or two. Um, I, I mean, I know that all competing against amputees. So when you look in the picture of them on stage, you look at the amputees who are probably I'd just be guessing here, but probably fifteen kilograms more muscle compared to the athletes with cerebral palsy. Um, but going back to what you were saying about getting the classification split up, I think the aim still should be, like you were saying, to get that left side and right side, etc. I mean, the only thing I would say at the moment is, against an amputee, you could have an advantage of you can work more on your legs. I know, yes, my legs are impaired as well um but there's i think if i can remember rightly there's a so a single leg amputee who's quite high quite high up i i can i can build some muscle on my left leg i don't know if it'll be more than what they can on the leg that they've got sorry on the leg that they've got impaired but you get judged on your overall same so I, I don't know if it kind of evens itself out against each other well it comes back to a judge, judgmental factor isn't it it's, it's yeah. a, somebody's interpretation of the um, the physique so one judge well even 
e- even in the able-bodied classes, like I had someone on Facebook who was competing two weeks ago, who was complaining that everyone was saying they should come in the top three, and they came eight, they came eight or sixth, and they were complaining saying it was a judging. So I think some judges look for that lean condition. Some judges look for the mass. Some look more for symmetry. Some it might even come down to if you do a good pausing routine that they enjoy, that sticks in their head. So it's hard to know what the judges are looking for, especially if on stage there's not much difference between all the competitors. Well, so that's one of the difficult ones when it comes to any sport that it's coming down to, uh, how would I put it, an external source as to yeah. what, what determines the outcome. Well, yeah, I mean, all sports like that, because like, obviously in basketball, you get, you've been in games where referees make decisions and you think, what's led to making that decision where... I mean, I, 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 I've been in games where one person will blatantly foul another, but someone who's two feet away from the incident somehow gets a foul. And you just... But that's the way sport goes. It's... There will be mistakes. There will be personal judgments that it can come in with, although they shouldn't. But I think, I think with... Team sports and and whatnot. I think those kind of those decisions, in theory, in most cases even themselves out. Yeah, I think you're all right in terms of basketball. Going back to playing that is especially you'll you'll tend to find they do even themselves out. But sometimes, I mean, I, it's it's a bit hard because when it's against your team, it can be quite biased. But I've been I've been in games where people thought the referee was against one team compared to another. But then I've 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 even been in games where the referee was against both teams, where both teams thought the referee was calling fouls that didn't not such didn't exist, but soft fouls constantly. I'll not name referees or anything like that. <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the referee wants to be in the centre of attention. That is, people who play basketball, no doubt know who I'm talking about. But yeah, but kind of with going forward with your bodybuilding, obviously you're you're looking to give it the well not give it the best that you want, yeah. But bringing the best of yourself, how do you think? How do you see your future within the sport? I mean, at the moment, there's only one professional disabled bodybuilder um, who's who can walk. There's a few in wheelchairs, from what I know. This is I'm I, I'm just going off what I've been told through word of mouth. I mean, that would be not such a goal, but kind of a dream to sort of get paid to sort of train me basically I mean I I am getting the odd sponsor here and there um, 
in ambassador for two clothing companies, Protein Fitness and VXS Gymwear, where I, I get discount and I get a discount code for other people. And when that's used, you sort of earn commission. Within Protein, in terms of the community, etc., there's a Facebook group where people post videos, pictures, updates. Um, so last month I was awarded an ambassador of the month. So I had to fill in a questionnaire for their blog. Um, my old gym as well uh, have said that I can use them for free, um, which is where my parents live. So whenever I'm, it's, it's only three or four miles away, but adding that onto my day with work and stuff, it's sort of, I don't drive as well. So it, um, but if I'm ever around there, I always use their gym um, and I'm getting yeah. some free wear for them. So I'm just getting the odd little thing here and there, yeah. but it all adds up. Protein are making me some free custom kit as well. So it's not looking too bad. And in terms of like social media presence, I've I seen that you've released a few videos on Facebook. Yeah. Is there... Um, have you got an eye in terms of possibly um, developing that a little bit further and and doing like a few of the body like everybody bodybuilders have done and create your own YouTube channel and try and grow the following? Yeah, that? I mean, I have created my own YouTube channel, which I was putting vlogs on originally back in March, back in March time, but it's just the simplicity of uploading a video to Facebook. It, it just works out easier. And with, because I, I don't have a great deal of time to vlog as people see my vlogs sometimes are pretty brief because my lifestyle is quite hectic. So I do try and get clips of all of my workout, especially, and I do try and put good content in but when you do a vlog when you f say when you first walk up in the morning or when it's late at night you just sort of your mind can sometimes go blank and you think afterwards why didn't I put this in why didn't I put that in but I do try and put some put some content in there and just sort of explain how I'm feeling really because I know prep can be a very mentally tough time well, it's it's kind of a, a personal touch as people are going to have mental blocks time to time. It's not the most, um, how would I put it, uh, com comforting experience for some people to be in front yeah. of the camera, let alone, do you do it live or, or no? I don't do it live. What I normally do is I'll record, so for instance, today... I've already recorded, I normally do a piece in the morning, just sort of explaining what I'm going to be doing that day, etc. Then I'll record my workout if I train. And then I do a piece on the night time, um, just sort of seeing how the days went, how that session went, um, and about my diet and things like that. I was putting pictures in of what I was eating with it, but then my diet is quite repetitive each day. So I'm trying not to make the videos too. Like, for instance, every four, four days I'll train legs, every four days I'll train push. 
So I'm trying to make every push video the same each time, but it, it, it's hard to add in new content, especially like I was saying when you go back to what I said before, when you're getting up at half six in the morning, in the morning, more than half six hours sleep, you're not as fresh as you'd hope and you, you haven't got as many ideas as you'd hope. I mean, I, I do tend to, things do come up in my head throughout the day, which I will try and add in sometimes, but it, it doesn't always go as planned. But I think, or oh, probably the more experienced uh, vloggers, uh, even podcasters, probably there's probably too many to actually name. They talk about it as uh, people would say, "Oh, you you sound um, as if you're a broadcaster. Um, you sound it looks as it comes across quite natural." But how yeah. they say um, go back to when they started and look at how well how anybody that's done video. But or what not? I, what will probably test to improve it over time, and in, well, it comes it comes back to anything. It's practice. In, in improve the content as well. Like I mean, I, for instance, one of the ideas I came up with today is on my rest day, my vlog can be pretty short because take out the sessions, you're probably talking two or three minutes long. Um. So what I was hoping to do is just focus more on a particular topic for instance like i've explained before i've went through doing a keto diet um or i'm an ambassador for companies talking about because there is more pros than just the money for doing that there is other benefits that you can reap from being an ambassador for a company i'll i'll just mention one now for instance it's the accountability that you've happened to post say two or three pictures at least a month in their brand you don't want to be looking completely out of shape <laughs> because a it's a what's the point and b it, it's just like going back to the going back to the money kind of who's going to want to buy a vest that someone out of shape is posting a picture wearing on Instagram. It just doesn't add up. It comes back to that 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 mind that mindset. Like you said, you could probably go as far even with my my industry. A lot of the guys um, may not be bodybuilders, but say physique ones are tr online trainers, PTs. Yeah. Obviously, we have got to show a. I won't go as far as a persona, but you have to show that you're in. in but yeah, I won't, go, I won't go as far as top condition, but at least in shape to yeah. be able to prove to the wider audience or yeah. what makes you different from so and so, and are you going to get me results? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I haven't mentioned this in the interview, but I am doing a personal training course as well, so that is part of my motivation also to try and get in good shape myself because if I like for instance I've just chosen you a prep coach I wouldn't go for a prep coach who was looking out of shape rarely being in shape where there's not a great deal of content pictures videos of them working out etc 
and that I went back to before having a portfolio of other clients who they've trained. Well, it's, that's, the, that's the difficulty one. Well, obviously, with, with you being in the bodybuilding game, that's a massive um, plus for the, to work with somebody that's got the experience and can, can show the, the results. Obviously, from when we talked about the PT side of things, it depends what client you work with. Obviously, the big one is to lose weight or to put muscle mass on. Well, that, yeah, in most that cases, be... those will be the big big ones. Okay, There's other goals people have in mind. That one is quite difficult to be able to show how they've they've kind of improved other than a client testimonial would be the only way. And, and it comes back to how it's worded and maybe somebody's interpretation of how they, they read it. I mean, just going back to um, transformations, etc. I was, I was, um, it was about six months back now. I was, I used an Uber, and the guy who was driving actually worked as a PT as well, which just shows that it's not as e- as easy as it is because he's having to do two jobs. But he was saying he had one client in particular where they're diet was atrocious they were training with them they were paying them up to one thousand pound a month but they just weren't getting anywhere and it was like you've got that line of having a client to make money but then at the same time if you can't broadcast their transformation it's it's a bit of a catch 22 what do you do in that situation because they they aren't actually getting any gain from it you feel like you're just taking their money off them but they are still willing to work with you well the only advice i'd say to you there probably from personal experience is obviously you're trying to make an income yeah. you're trying to grow which in effect is a brand um it probably comes down to why are they still with that that um trainer is probably more probably less to do with the training and probably more to do with his uh, personality and character yeah. yeah i mean that 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 was one thing that although i i do question my decision now for which prep coach i chose at the beginning they were motivational they were enthusiastic whereas some i spoke to who didn't really know me as well didn't show that enthusiasm not that i've learned now not that it's all about that but that does help in when someone's looking for a personal tuner even if they are looking around first to decide who to go through that can be a standing out factor Mm-hmm. And last question before we wrap the, the show up is if you had to summarize this episode into one sentence, what would that be? And kind of for somebody to take away from the, 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 uh, the episode. I'd say it would be God, my imagination is awful. But 
going back to my Instagram name, actually, the only thing I can think of would be breaking boundaries. Well, I think that's that's probably a, a good mindset to have there, Johnny. Is yeah. It's trying to, be it push your disability beyond beyond something, push it where you'd never thought it'd beyond be. Beyond expectations. And then for for an able-bodied person, it's probably how would I how would I say it? Um, probably, well, it's an old one I kind of used a long, long time ago. It's well, if as a disabled individual can do it, and so kind of, it's probably t- nicking this one from um, oh, what's the trainer's name. Oh, it's not good. I can't think of his name. I mean. I do know a lot of able-bodied people say who say if you look at other able-bodied people, they do nothing. They eat junk food all the time, and then there's me with two weak limbs who will train three, three or four hours a day and eat well. So, in their words, I mean, I don't always take that much notice of this, but they do say that it sort of puts them to shame really you could say that in a way it it comes back to that like we, we've shown throughout the episode it's definitely somebody's men, uh, mental approach to something do you really want to to overcome something i think at the same time though it's just breaking that person's mentality of that just because someone's in a wheelchair or disabled that there should be locked up in the house all day. <laughs> a lot of people think that for me leaving the house, I'm doing something breaking their boundaries, but for me that's just doing the the no the no mm-hmm. that's just doing the norm. There's no special thing that I'm doing. I'm just doing what everyone else is doing in my opinion. Well, it's like you said, breaking down barriers. It's it's as a disabled individual doing normal tasks. You you think it has nothing out of the ordinary, and then uh, other people might think it's is marvelous in some. Yeah, I, I think is where I've always struggled in a way dealing with not positivity, but sort of there's that fine line of someone saying something and meaning it. Uh, I mean, being disabled, I have learned that people can, not intentionally, but be patronising a mm. bit. And so it, it's that fine line of judging whether it, it was said in a patronising way or whether you are actually doing something inspirational, as as one would say. Well, it's a, like you say, it's a fine line. It's 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 probably yeah. reflecting on it, probably not dwelling on it and overanalyzing it too much because that's gonna probably get yeah, you well, more does, in a state. It does eat away. You think, did they mean that, or uh, or not that they don't mean mean it, but is it meant in a positive way or a patronizing way? Mm. It's one. It's one of those. It's, it does. It wouldn't. I think it wouldn't come. Yeah. It would come down to matter if you're disabled or able-bodied. It's. It's. It's probably. That's the difficulty in. Interpreting somebody's 
what somebody said, it can come across either way. So it's a it's a difficult way. Yeah, it's probably in some cases. Well, maybe the person to think well. If I say it this way, it could be interpreted that way. But the, but then you're probably overanalyzing. It, it's you all could probably just explain it and all that analyzing. Yeah, but it it, it it it's all down to years of ex. It's all down to years of experience in that. For instance, I I can I was too young to remember, but I've been taught that as a child I was in the su- supermarket with my mom. I could speak it, etc. I was in the trolley, and the woman on the till goes, "Oh, what's his name?" And the first thing my mom says, "He can speak." <laughs> so years of that building up, you tend it, it. It can eat away at you as if you let it, but you've just got to try and not let it and brush it off. But I think that's. But I think that's probably a good lesson for anybody to learn it's it's having that how would i say it um it is it's it's kind of if somebody thinks that way of you it's kind of not letting it get you down it's it's yeah somebody thinks like that well it's only it's only affecting them yeah so once again, Johnny, thanks for coming on the show and, yeah, and giving your insight into uh, what hopefully will become a, a, a probably a, a mainstay sport for you in, in the long run. Yeah. Thanks for that. It's my pleasure. So once again, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. If you wanted some bonus content, I have now set up a Facebook group where you can interact with both the guests and I. The name of this so-called group is Mindset Game. So why not come over and check it out for yourself? And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review in iTunes as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.